Last week, I enjoyed last week. I feel like I preached last week. I don't even feel like I taught. I feel like I, I was, man, I told John, John or Dylan when I said, I felt like there was fire shut up in my bones last week. I, I may be a little more calm this week. I don't know. We'll see. But I want to I piggyback off of it because when we read and we studied the prayer that Jesus prayed over us, it just still is phenomenal to me to think that Jesus prayed a prayer while he was here on earth that covered me. He, he, he says it in John 17. He, he literally says, for those that would believe his disciples, those that would come after who would believe, this is what he prayed over us. Not that we would be taken out of the world, but that we would be protected from the evil one. Right? There was a verse in there, verse 16, that I want to pick out today. It just really stood out to me. He said in verse 16, I'm reading out of the Amplified. He's talking about us. For they are not of the world. They're not worldly. They don't belong to the world, just as I am not of the world. You're not any more of this world once you're born again than Jesus was of this world. You're born of the same seed. You're born of incorruptible seed. Scripture says the incorruptible seed of the word of God that lives and abides forever. That's, that's what we're spiritually born of. And then he said, sanctify them. Remember that from last week? Sanctify them. We talked about what that meant. Purify them, consecrate them, separate them for yourself. Make them holy by the truth. How are you sanctified, consecrated, set apart, purified, made holy? By the truth. And then he gives us a big key here. He's, he's speaking to God. He says, thy word is truth. So how does he set us apart, sanctify us, purify us, consecrate us? By his word. His word is truth. Now here we have a problem. Because we can disagree on what the word says. That's always going to be until Jesus comes, okay? But we need to seek out the truth. And we don't need to let culture dictate to us what the truth is. There is an absolute truth. We need an anchor for our soul. I mean, there is so, so many ideas and, and so many thinkings on so many different things. I need to know the truth. And let me tell you, I know I've concentrated on kids the last two weeks, but I, I'm not sorry. School's about to start. It's on my heart. Do your kids know the truth? I mean, from the Word of God. Not that this is what mom and dad think. Because when it, when, when it comes down to it, if, they just, if, they, if it's just what you think, but this is what their best friend thinks, and woe be to them if it's what their boyfriend or girlfriend thinks. I know you don't like this as parents, and I don't either, but sometimes those people have more pull than we do as parents and grandparents. In the moment, I know what the scripture says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. But train up a child in the way he should go is bringing them up in the word. Do they know? I'm not talking about you have to read it to them out of the King James Version. 
But when they have a question, even when you're training them, even when they're bringing you something and you're fixing to give them the big, no, you can't go. Why not put this as the reason why? No, I don't want you to go. You can't go. Well, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because we serve God. He's our protector. And if he set boundaries, it wasn't to keep us from having fun. It wasn't to keep us from from being popular. It's because he saw death at the end of that road. And he said, don't take it. He saw life at the end of this road and he said, take this one. Choose this friend. We talked a lot about friends, right? We've been studying it on Wednesday nights. Building, developing godly relationships. He will sanctify your children by the truth. And his word is truth. How pure can your children be? Come on, parents. How pure can they be? How much word have you given them? So Bridget and I, because I talked last week, Bridget's an artist and writes children's books, we talked about I want stuff hanging from the nursery ceilings. I want, I know babies can't read, but I know those, worker, those workers back there can. So as soon as we get it finished up, Bridget's working on it. I mean, she's doing the artwork for it. We're going to hang stuff from the ceilings. They'll change out the verse, the confession, the statement of faith every month in the infant nursery. And I want every nursery worker in the house to be speaking that word over that baby that they're holding, that they're playing with every single week. There's power in it. There's power in it. we got to make sure that Y'all, when you go back, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I'm just going to go with it. When you go back and you read Romans 1, and you read 2 Timothy chapter 3, and you read Matthew, I think it's 24, where he starts talking about the signs of the times, the number one thing in, I think it's Matthew 24, that he lists, the first thing he lists as a danger to the age is deception. It's deception. What's deception? It's one thought off from the truth. And that's what hit me this morning, Dylan. I was like, how far does a person have to go before they're out of the truth? It's one thought out off of the truth. You know what the most dangerous deception is? Self-deception. That's when you convince yourself that what you think is true and the way you're doing it is right even though you can read in the Word and you ignore the absolute truth of the Word of God and choose your own truth. That's self-deceit and it's, it's so dangerous. This is a tough subject. I believe God's preparing us for some things. What separates you from the world is the truth. They need the truth. Y'all, we've tried to blend in. And I know you've heard that. But y'all, we've tried to blend in. 
We didn't want to stand out. But you are a city on a hill. You're a light in the darkness. You're the salt of the earth. The scripture calls you the pillar of truth. You hold up society by what you know from the word of God. And if we want things to to hold off from from it's like a snowball rolling downhill, the, the evil and the bad, if we want to slow that down, we've got to quit hiding the truth. We need to be speaking the truth. The scripture says to speak the truth in love. So we got a lot of Christians yelling some stuff, but we just don't have a lot of Christians speaking the truth in love. Now, I'm not saying it has to be flowery and cute. Because I heard Jesus call some people snakes and vipers. But he dealt with people according to the content of their heart. And that's what we as Christians have to learn to do. He didn't go to the woman at the well and call her a snake and a viper. Because her heart could not take that. She had had abuses. So he dealt with her gently and kindly. But to the religious that had calloused their heart to the truth of Jesus Christ coming into the earth, he called them a brood of vipers. So we have to learn to be led by the Spirit to where we know who it is we're speaking to. Not by what we know, but by what God knows. And let him direct our words and, and so that we're saying the right things at the right time to the right people. We need to be there and we need to do it Either way, love. When Jesus said that to them, do you know it was out of love? He's trying to get their attention. He wanted them to know their location. He wanted them to know where they were. In their hearts were hardened. Over and over again, he talked to them about their hearts being hardened. He was trying to break through that hardened heart. With, With the woman caught in adultery, he didn't have to do that. With the man let through the roof, he didn't have to do that. He could just say, your sins are forgiven you. So he dealt with people accordingly. And I think as we are delivering the truth, that is the first lesson we've got to learn. Let it be done in love. The truth isn't always easy to deliver. It's not always easy to hear. But if it's done in love, we can deal with it. And they can deal with it much better. God's truth will never lie to you, it will never deceive you, it will never manipulate you, it will never drive you, but it will lead you. It'll lead you, it'll lead you to change, and it always, always, always leads you into a closer relationship with God. And and here's, this is a great way to know when culture is trying to manipulate a truth, to make it fit what they want it to say. We've all probably done it. I'm just going to put it on them this morning so we can all sit here and not sweat, okay? We've all probably twisted a, 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 a truth of the word because we didn't want to conform to it. When we look at that, if we're honest with ourselves and we want to test it, if I'm going to continue in that thought, is that going to bring me in closer relationship with God and people Or is it going to keep me further, take me further away from my relationship with God and people? 
And, and you can run whatever thought you're, you're thinking through that. God's truth will always bring us into closer relationship with Him. He is the truth. Go with me to Psalm 119. If you're not reading your Bible on whatever, however, devices, I don't care how you do it. If you're not hearing the word, you're not keeping the truth in front of you, you, you it's easy to be deceived. And over and over again, I kept thinking, God, how do I, how do I help protect my grandchildren? You know, when you're praying over them and your, your kids and... I ask the Holy Spirit to coat their minds for anything that they might be ignorant of. But yet at the same time, it's our responsibility as parents and grandparents and teachers to make sure that they know the truth. And this scripture came to my mind. It's Psalm 119.9 and it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? How can we raise kids in this culture? And then remain pure. How? How can we? That's, that's what he's asking. And then he gives the answer. Praise God. All the parents are excited. By living according to your word. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Well, if you don't know the word, you can't live according to it. Verse 10. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh, I love that verse. When we decide Jesus died for me, I love this man. I love this man. He suffered for me. He took my place. He died for me. He went into the heart of the earth for me. He beat the devil and the host of darkness for me. He was risen from the dead for me. He went through all of that for me. He was spit on. He was whipped. He, the crown of thorns, the whole picture. He did all that for me. I love this man. When you decide you love this man, then you hide his word in your heart so that you will not sin against that man. And I know I'm going to do the Aunt Ethel story. I'm sorry. It's the only one I got. When I found my, my great aunt's chocolate box. She was in her 90s when she died. She lived next to us all my life. She was like a grandmother to me. She had no children of her own. And I think it was mom. I don't know. Somebody gave me her chocolate box. And I opened it up. And it was letters from my Uncle Henry, my great Uncle Henry, his love letters to her as he was gone in the Navy and was writing Ethel Brown uh, from Pleasant View Road, where I live now. And when I was reading those and looking over those, I thought about how Jesus said, If you love me, you'll keep my words. And in her 90s, her, Uncle Henry's words from when they were like, I think she was, I don't know, you know, back then. She was like 15, 16. He was a little bit older than her, serving in the Navy. 
Even in her 90s, that box still contained his words. Why? Because she loved him. She kept his words. And she didn't sin against him. Now you put that with Jesus. You love him. The man suffered for you. He chose you. He chose you. He loves you. He gave up what he knew and what he had, his position with the Father for you. Keep his word. Hide it in your heart. Verse 12 says, Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. You know what the psalmist did? He rehearsed. The Word of God. He rehearsed it. He said it. He sang it. He thought about it. Did the psalmist ever mess up? But he didn't stay messed up. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees and I will not neglect your word what a good word for us this morning I will not neglect your word what is neglect not giving it its due attention it's neglect you know it exists you just not giving it your due attention as your pastor I feel led That the word of God into you has to be spoken more than ever before. Your children more than ever before. And as I said, it doesn't have to be in the King James Version. You remember the verse that we uh, studied, uh, the verses we studied from Deuteronomy? Uh, It's been a long time. And it talked about with your children, you talk about God when you rise up. You talk about him when you put him to bed. You talk about him when you go out the gate. You talk about him when you're sitting down. You talk about him when you're rising up. And it's not like religious mess it's like we love Jesus in this house let me tell you why if we love Jesus we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do what his word says it's reading Bible stories at night I feel so bad for people who weren't raised with that foundation you know you weren't there's lots of people that were not and so I remember one time Wade had a girlfriend and uh, there was this biblical series, Wade's our son, our, this biblical series on TV, and he was like, Mom, she doesn't know who Abraham is. How do I even start? I mean, how do I, how, how do I even jump in this to explain all that Abraham entails, you know, the covenant, and how do I even? So that Christmas we got her a children's Bible story book. That's a great start, parents, grandparents. That's a great start because his word is truth and you can't be sanctified, set apart. You're going, to be, you're going to be living like the world. You may even be born again, but be living like the world. And I don't mean cussing and running around with wild men or wild... I don't, I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I mean you're not going to live in the love of God that's provided for you if you don't know the Word. It's a good life. It's the best life. I don't know what I would do if I had not 
known Jesus? Truth is the answer. And truth will save you from so many troubles. It may not save you from all of them because you may not always obey the truth. But man, it can save you from a world of hurt. It was really hard for me to pick out just a few verses from Romans 1. But that's not, we're not teaching the whole thing today. But go with me to Romans 1 and look at verse 16. We'll start there. Because something really stood out to me in verse 18. He's given a lot of instruction here, and a lot of it has to do with a lot of the things we're dealing with in culture today. But he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power. It's the power. People trying to believe for power. The gospel is the power. What is the gospel? Jesus died for you. Follow him. I mean, the gospel's pretty simple. It's the good news. And he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes it. We need to be sharing the gospel, James. James and James. i got two James. All I need is John back there. Um, we need to be sharing the gospel because in that gospel is the power of God to deliver people from what they're going through. From the darkness that we talked about last week, the power is in the gospel. If they don't hear the gospel means good news, if they don't hear the good news of the gospel, the thing is Christianity for a while, when he said Christianity, religion for a while made the gospel into bad news. And you're going to hell. No, the good news is you don't have to. <laughs> this is a simple gospel. And there's a way out. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God of salvation to everyone who believes. What's the qualification? Believe. First, it's not that you're perfect, it's that you believe. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. Whew. Righteousness, right standing with God. It's not on your behavior or your actions. But through the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. That helps me live better. A righteousness that is by faith. What's faith? Believing. A righteousness by believing from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth. Oh, I don't know why that just jumped out at me today, Mary. That does not please God when we suppress the truth. He says they suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. It's plain to them because God has made it plain to them. There's no denying God. You can read on. It talks about even creation around you proclaims God and His holiness. Man is without excuse. Man is without excuse. But this suppress the truth. Why would anybody suppress the truth? Let's, let's put it in a court case. 
And let's say you're a witness to the truth. You know the truth. But you suppress the truth. What would that look like in a courtroom? Silence? Not saying something when you know something? Not saying something. Was that not the sin of Adam? Silence? We've had, a, we've had years and years of, of churches who love the Lord out of ignorance suppressing the truth. And right now, if you want to be a popular church, This pulpit always has and always will hit us in the face with the truth. Because it's life. Because truth is the way. It is the way and it is the life. And, and I started thinking about this suppressing the truth when it's the power of God to save and to deliver. You know, how many times have we studied 2 Timothy chapter 3 here? about the signs of the end time and, and the, the, the um, characteristics of society in the last of the last days. And, and I mentioned this earlier, talking about uh, some of the other ones, but in Romans 3, uh, 2 Timothy, sorry, 2 Timothy 3, 12, we'll, we'll talk about it another time. He's talked about all these characteristics. And he says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, you continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures from infancy. Now, if you missed out on that, start where you are. But this shows me the power of putting those scriptures in those babies back there. He just said it. I know that from infancy, in the womb. From infancy, you've known the Holy Scriptures. From infancy, you've known the Holy Scriptures. That makes me go read to a baby. Which are able to make you wise, the scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed. That's what it says. All scripture is God-breathed. That means the DNA of God is in his word. And if I take a balloon up here and I blow into it breath as the word of God is God-breathed, and I take that balloon, and Anna would freak out, so let me pick somebody else. And I handed Dylan that balloon, and he breathed in what I had breathed out, my breath, my DNA. That's what happens when you read the Word. It's God breathed. Breathe it in. Is God breathed? Take it in. And that puts the DNA of God, His ways, His words, 
His way of doing things begins to enter into your thinking. God's scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. In righteousness so that the man of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. He's not sending us out into the world without equipping us, at least without offering to equip us. The word of God will equip you as you go out into the world. Turn back to 2 Timothy 1. Verse 5, oh, the apostle's talking to young Timothy. And he said, I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first live in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. I just want to say that's the power of a grandma and a mama. Paul said, I know what Lois believed and I know what Eunice believed. Therefore, I know what's in you. No, I know what's in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan it into flame. Some of you were raised right and you've lived wrong. Fan it into flame. I know what's in you. You know what's in you. Some of you had to put it in there yourselves later in life. That's all right. I know what's in you. If you put the word in you, I know what's in you. Fan that into flame. Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give you the spirit of timidity. God did not give any Christian the spirit of timidity. He gave us his spirit. He didn't give us the spirit of timidity, but the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and of self-discipline or a sound mind. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, speaking of Paul, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life in immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. What you heard from me, keep it as a pattern of sound teaching. With faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. I entitled today, Entrusted with the Truth. You have been entrusted with the truth. You need to value that truth. And you need to see, though, sometimes it is not popular, as the Apostle Paul went through many persecutions delivering the truth. It is still our truth that we have been entrusted with and that God expects us to deliver the truth, to live in the truth, to walk in the truth, to show the truth, to be an example of the truth, because the dark world will not be saved with no light.
And I think sometimes Christians, we've gotten so used to padded pews and air conditioning that we need to toughen up a little bit and realize that we're, we, we may not be voted homecoming queen. You may not be Mr. Popular when you walk in the room when you live a holy life. But you are to be the example. You're to show them the Father like Jesus showed them the Father. In love and by example. Doesn't mean that when you mess up, you're done for. Pick up and go. That's the best example you can give them. Show them God's grace. Show them that you believe in it and that you trust in it. I'm not going to turn there, but in Acts 4, the apostle said, well, he prayed that the Lord would enable his servants to speak his word. It wasn't the apostle Paul. It was the apostles. I can't remember which ones it was. That he would enable his servants to speak his word with boldness. Enable your servants to speak your word with boldness. That was prayed over us. And verse 31 says, And when they had prayed, the place shook. The place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Just start saying over yourself, God, enable me to speak your word with boldness. He'll give you the right time. It's not always the right time to grab a microphone and take over. He'll provide the right time. You'll know when it's the right time. When that, when that word starts bubbling up on the inside of you and somebody's saying something, have the boldness to say. And you don't have to do it in King James Version. You can just say, hey, man, I was reading something the other day and it went like this. Because y'all half the time, I didn't have them written up here. I might not could tell you where they were in the Bible. You know what? That's okay. Hide his word in your heart, and then when it needs to come out of your heart and out your mouth, it will be there. And he'll give you the boldness to speak it. You've been entrusted with the truth. Why? Not just for you, but for the people around you. Amen?